all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today, we're going to be talking about childhood obesity. Childhood obesity is unfortunately becoming an epidemic, and we're seeing a ton of it here in the South and in Mississippi. So with obesity comes different complications and medical processes that we've only previously seen in adults, but now we're seeing in our children. So today we're going to be talking about childhood obesity and the different complications as well as the challenges that the children that suffer from this and their parents face. We'd love to hear any questions and comments that you may have, so give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So childhood obesity, um, I'm sure that uh, many people out there listening um, have suffered with this, um, either as children or with their own children or grandchildren, or maybe as an adult. You know, it's hard. um, It's a hard topic to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about it. But we're seeing so many complications in our children these days uh, that it's a very hot topic. Um, When I was trying to come up with a, a topic to discuss today, um, it just kept coming up and coming up and all the different complications that we were seeing. So I decided to, that we could talk about that. We'd love to hear um, some of your struggles maybe that you faced with obesity and how you overcame it and any tips that you may have for our listeners out there um, or any of the complications that, you know, uh, you've found ways to improve. So obesity, what we describe as obesity in children, you know, everything we do with children and looking at their weight, looking at their height, um, as babies, their head circumference, we do it on a growth chart. Um, And so the World Health Organization has a growth chart uh, that puts uh, children in percentages and compares different children for their age and what they should be, where they should be measuring in that chart. Um, And it doesn't really matter. You know, I try to explain to parents that when we look at the growth chart, you know, as long as they're staying consistent, it doesn't matter if they're at the 20th or at the 60th percentile. That's just what they are. This is just so we can kind of know. And it's more we want to see the um, how they're growing on the chart and not necessarily that they're jumping around. We want to see consistency staying around that same percentage. What we define as obesity in children is that BMI greater than the 85th percentile. So what the BMI is is... Um, a healthy weight for how tall you are. So we calculate that based off of how much you weigh and how tall you are. And for that, we have a, it creates this number. In adults, we say 18 to 24 is normal. In kids, as I said, we look more at the chart. So if they are greater than the 95th percentile um, for their BMI, that's what defines obesity. 
once you get to teenagers and more adult size, then you can actually look at the number like we do for adults. Um, and 25 and over is considered overweight. So, uh, but for our kids, we look at more the the percentage. So why is obesity, why is it um, important that we talk about it? Because we're seeing more and more high blood pressure, diabetes, sleep apnea, um, high cholesterol problems in kids. Now, kids aren't like our adults, and they're probably not going to have a heart attack, and they're probably not going to have a stroke from their high blood pressure and their diabetes. But we do know that if you have these problems earlier in life, your long-term risk for the heart attacks and for the strokes occurring earlier in life is much higher. Um, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart, uh, high cholesterol, those are uh, strong risk factors for what we call cardiovascular disease, which would be like our heart attacks and our strokes. And so we know that that increases their risk factors for that later on in life. Um, you may have heard the term metabolic syndrome out there. Um, it's a term that kind of gets thrown around, mostly for our adults. It's kind of hard to really give that uh, to children. There's not a real kind of uniform thing for it. Um, but it, it includes, like, um, having a constellation kind of symptoms, with, you know, at least three or so um, of what we call central obesity. So having that, keeping that fat in the abdominal area, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, um, and high triglycerides. So um, that's what kind of encompasses that metabolic syndrome, and we know that obesity can be associated with that. I was reading some statistics, and it said that um, children that are ages 5 to 10 years old with obesity, 60% of those already had at least one risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And that could be high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, diabetes, you know, unlikely, but it could be diabetes. So it's, you know, it's real, real, um, it's a real risk factor. So we want to try, just like we always talk about in here, the earlier you can intervene, the better, the uh, better long-term results you're going to have if you can start early. So... We, um, we're talking today about obesity. We'd love to hear any questions and comments that you may have. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Well, I have a question yeah. for you. Go ahead. Um, I don't have a little baby anymore. She's 15. Uh-huh. But... When you see little babies and they're so round and plump mm-hmm. and juicy with all the rolls and everyone says, oh, yeah. they're so cute. Yes. People um, assume that that's the cutest baby. They don't want to see the little small babies that are not plump. Is that a, um, an issue when you have a baby that is very, very um fluffy. (laughs) Yes, yes. I know what you mean. I was one of those babies apparently. I was almost nine pounds when I was born. So, yeah. So not necessarily, no. You know, um, uh, those uh, chubby little babies doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, like I was talking about uh, looking at the growth charts and the percentages where they fall on that percentage. If you're a big baby, like I was, almost nine pounds, um, I was probably at the like 90th percentile on the growth chart because I was pretty, uh, I'm pretty tall myself. So I was up there in the growth chart. Um, So as long as you're, if you start off big and you stay big, that's the most important thing. You know, we don't want you to start off at like the 20th percentile and then 
all of a sudden jump up to the 90th percentile because then that that means you probably are overfeeding them a little bit. A lot of um, people, I think we talked about this earlier this week on one of the Southern Remedies about the children not getting out and yes. um, they're play, uh, not playing um, outside. They're playing the video games yes. and that attests to a lot of the obesity in children. Oh my goodness, yes. For sure, for sure. That was one of the things I was going to talk about today is um, staying active. Uh, that is one of the keys to helping prevent obesity um, is staying active, physical activity, you know, only 30 minutes a day, uh, ideally an hour. But, you know, sometimes that's not reasonable with our schedules and everything like that. But at least 30 minutes a day, everybody can get out and do something for 30 minutes a day. Um, But yes, with the improvements in technology and all the different things out there with tablets and the videos and the Wii's and all the things um, that, yes, it's definitely playing a role in leading to childhood obesity kids aren't as active as they used to be but yeah like michelle was talking about um you don't necessarily for kids especially babies uh and toddlers we don't want to put them on a diet and say oh you have to put your infant on a diet um that's you know that's not what we want to do what we want to do and encourage as a pediatrician those healthy habits so we want you to when your child is a toddler and they're able to start eating table foods and they're eating what you're eating we want them to make sure that they're eating healthy stuff you know so when you cook dinner that night we want to make sure that you're having fruits and vegetables healthy lean meats on your plate so that your child as a toddler is already seeing these healthy habits so no, you don't have to put your child and toddler on a diet, but you do want to instill those healthy habits in them. Um, so everybody does love the cute chubby baby. And most of the time you're going to grow out of that as you get older. You know, toddlers, I always tell pa- parents always are worried when they come for like their 18 month and two year old visit because they may not be gaining weight as rapidly as they were when they were babies. Um, but it's because they are active, they're growing taller. And so it kind of all evens out most of the time in children as long as you're instilling those healthy habits in them. Looks like we got a caller, so we'll go to Danielle. She's in Starkville. Go ahead, Danielle. Hey, uh, I just was going to comment that uh, my child is six, and I see a lot of people, even from early ages, letting their kids drink soda and Kool-Aid and, like, all kinds of sugary drinks. Yes, definitely. I've seen little babies come in with sweet tea in their bottles. <laughs> so, um, yes, that is definitely a huge thing. That's something that easy that you can change is definitely decreasing the sodas and juices, too. You know, people forget about juices because they'll say, oh, it's it's a juice. It's all natural. Still lots of sugar in those, just like there are in sodas. Thank you for your call, Danielle. That that brought up a really good point is is sodas for sure, because we see that all the time. And like I said, I've I've even seen sweet tea and Coke and all kinds of stuff in bottles. So um Definitely trying to decrease the risk, uh, I mean, decrease in the exposure to sodas. And um, if they don't, if kids don't ever really drink the sodas, you know, they won't ever crave them. So if they're not drinking Cokes and Sprites and Mountain Dew or whatever your um, soda of choice is as a little one, then as they get older, they're never going to want that. They're not going to crave that. So um, the best thing is just trying to instill those healthy habits when they're younger and trying to avoid things like sugary drinks and sodas and juices. 
So we're talking today about childhood obesity and the different struggles and complications that can occur when you have um, when your child is obese. One of the things that we talk about is high blood pressure. You know, we see that a lot in adults and some of our listeners out there, you may be sufferers of that. Um, But we're seeing it more and more in our kids. And, you know, there are children out there. I have several patients that are pediatric um, hypertension patients that are not obese. So it's not the only reason. Family history plays a strong factor in that with high blood pressure. But majority of our children that we see are teenagers all the way down to ages five and six with high blood pressure um, are overweight and obese. And so a lot of this can be prevented with lifestyle changes. You know, one of the first things that we do actually for high blood pressure for diabetes, um, type two diabetes, that is. And that goes for our adults and our kids is lifestyle changes. So, you know, we try not to put people on medications if we can. And if you can change your lifestyle by losing a little bit of weight, eating healthier options, then most of the time we don't have to put kids on medications for the high blood pressure and diabetes. Sometimes we do. Like I said, genetics sometimes um, and family history can make you a little more prone to having to be on medications. But majority of times with lifestyle changes, we can get those um, better controlled. So um, what are we doing as pediatricians to try to combat this obesity epidemic that we are seeing? So one of the things that we were talking about is the growth charts. You know, we were, I make sure to review a growth chart with all of my patients. And as they get older, you can actually show your patients about it. Um, Once they hit, I mean, I would say probably at least by age eight, they can have an understanding and they love to look at the chart. They like, um, I have several patients that will come in and say, show me where I am on the chart because we go over it every year, every time they're there. Uh, But yeah, we look at the growth chart. We like to see where they are for their weight, for their height. If you're really tall, you know, you're probably going to weigh a little bit more and that's okay. And that's why we look at the BMI because it's what you should be a healthy weight for your height. And so make sure as pediatricians, we review that. Um, If your pediatrician doesn't, you know, if you take your child in and they don't mention it, ask them about it. I say, you know, I want to see where my kid is on the growth chart. I want to know where they are compared to other kids their age so that we you can have an idea of where they are. Again, the specific number doesn't matter um, when it comes to when it comes to like what particular level you are on the chart besides the BMI being greater than the 95th um, it's more of that um, how it's going the trend of where you are on the chart so we'll continue our discussions about childhood obesity after the break give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one 672 and we'll be back after the break This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMNC. Today, we're talking about childhood obesity, which is unfortunately becoming an epidemic nationwide, um, and particularly here in the South and in Mississippi. 
um, we are seeing more and more chronic illnesses related to the obesity and other complications that come along with that. So we're talking about the different challenges and complications that children and parents of these children suffering with obesity face um, as they're trying to combat it. Give us a call. We'd love to hear any questions and comments that you may have. one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or you can always send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So we talked a little bit about the physical toll that obesity can take on you with all the different medical problems, but you kind of forget sometimes about the emotional toll that it can take on you. Um, we, you know, we've talked before in here about bullying and teasing and um, different things that kids suffer with at school, but obesity is probably one of the the bigger topics and reasons kids do get picked on and bullied. Um, so not only um, can it affect their physical health, but it also affects their emotional health, which plays a big role in kids as they're growing up. Because if, um, you know, it can lead to depression, it can lead to anger issues, it can lead to problems concentrating, which may end up having an effect on their academic performance. So it's a it's a lot of um, it's a lot of pro- it can create a lot of problems. Um, childhood obesity can not just on their physical health but also on their mental health. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit more. We've got another caller, so we'll go to Randy. Thanks, Randy, for calling. Hello. Hey, go ahead. Okay, my name is Gary, but that doesn't matter. Oh, sorry. We're talking about fat babies, uh, plump babies. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't recall how much I weighed when I was born. Uh, but my mother told me that by the time I was six months, I weighed 30 pounds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then by the time I was six years, I still weighed 30 pounds. Uh-huh. Uh, all my life, I've really never had a weight problem. I think the most I've ever weighed in my life was 160. I'm 65 years old now. Uh, I had a history of paternal diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, on my father's side, my great-grandfather had severe diabetes. He had both his legs cut off, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but just forced for plump babies. Uh, <laughs> I was a plump baby. I was a fat baby. Yeah. Well, I, I, like I said, I was one of those myself. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Like, a lot of times... Once you get older and once you hit that one-year-old mark, you're not gaining weight as fast as you did as an infant, um, as a baby. And so as you reach that toddler stage, a lot of times you just kind of stay the same weight for a while because you're getting taller, you're becoming more active. And so you're not putting on those pounds as quickly as you were as an infant. So we do see that a lot. Like you said, you stayed the same weight for a long time. Okay, that's all I had to say about it. And uh, thanks to your program. I think it's very interesting. Yeah, well, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Okay, goodbye. Have a good day. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of times, you most of the time, the little fat babies do kind of all even out. Um, and that's one of the things that I have parents say to me, too, you know, in clinic when, when I do go over and they're hitting that four-year-old, five-year-old age and we're going over their growth charts. And they are kind of getting on up there on the weight chart and on their BMI chart. And we talk about it and parents will say, well, it's just their baby fat. You know, they'll outgrow it. 
And most of the time they do. Um, But it's still important to make sure that it's addressed and that you talk about it because we want to make sure that, again, I know I say this all the time, but you want to instill those healthy habits in as early as you can. So, yes, your four and five year old probably will outgrow their baby weight and they will it will all even out. But it's still important that we instill those healthy habits in them, just like our caller earlier said, you know, try not to introduce the sodas to them so young. Um, trying to make them have eat more fruits and vegetables, particularly when you're cooking supper. You know, make sure you have lots and lots of color. All the vegetables are very colorful, so make sure you have lots of colorful vegetables on your plate. So it's not necessarily about putting, again, your child on a diet. It's more in just instilling the healthy habits in them as early as you can. Um, so we've talked about the physical and the emotional toll that obesity can take. Um, I was telling you about how we do go over the grow charts. A couple of the other things that we do as pediatricians um, for obesity is we, we review their grow charts. We also review their blood pressure. Um, so your child should make sure that when they go to their pediatrician, you know, they should be going every year for their wellness visit, um, just like you do as adults, that their blood pressure is being checked at every visit. You know, it can be kind of difficult in kids sometimes to check blood pressure, um, especially in our little ones. Um, But it's important that we are still at least screening and trying to check their blood pressure. So that we can know, you know, we when we look at blood pressure in kids, it's a little bit different than adults. So in adults, we kind of have some hard, fast numbers that we look at and we say, okay, we want it to be your top number to be less than this and your bottom number to be less than this. In kids, it's a little different for blood pressure. What we do is um, we have a chart that we look at, and we um, it's different if it's boys versus girls, and it's also based on their height percentage, again, on that grade chart. And we look at what the range should be. And so they'll say if it's greater than the 90th percentile, the 95th and 97th percentile. And that kind of lets us know where they're following when they're um, with their blood pressure. So we make sure that we check that and we review that at every visit. So um, not only are we checking their height and weight, we're also checking their blood pressure. Another thing that we do is we check cholesterol in kids. Um, so at some point between ages 9 and 11, uh, your kid should have their cholesterol checked. It only has to be once unless they find something abnormal in there. But we like every kid, at least at one point from ages 9 to 11, to have their cholesterol checked. And, you know, we do a history at every um, visit and making sure that nobody has uh, early diagnosis of high cholesterol or heart disease in your family. And if that's the case, then we may screen for cholesterol a little more frequently than just that one time at ages 9 to 11. Um, But it's definitely something to talk to your provider about if your child, if you do have a family history of high cholesterol, if your child needs to be screened for that. We don't necessarily routinely screen for diabetes or check sugars um, unless we have a suspicion that it could be high. So if your child is, um, you know, the BMI is greater than the 95th percentile um, or they have a strong family history, you know, another um, complication going on like high blood pressure or they were found to have high cholesterol in their screening, then we may consider, you know, expanding that out and screening for diabetes. But for the most part, we don't routinely check for diabetes unless there's a high suspicion for it. Um, But we do like to check blood pressure and screen for cholesterol um, in our children. We've got a couple of callers, so we'll go next. We've got Adrian in Mobile. Thanks. Yeah, go ahead. 
Hey, hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I, I just wanted to kind of put out a comment slash, um, I don't know, encouragement or whatever. Um, I, I myself was a big kid growing up, and it was really hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, there are positive and, positive and negatives to it. I, you know, I created my own little coping mechanism of, you know, trying to be kind of a, a funny person and stuff like that to get through it. Mm-hmm. it. It's made me who I am today. But now I have a, a baby, and I don't want her to have to go through the same thing. And I know with my story, it was a little bit more, um, you know, there was a lot of depression in my younger years, a lot of, you know, emotional eating and and, um, just not access to a lot of very healthy foods. And I know that I'm making um, certain decisions so that she doesn't have to face those things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just kind of putting out the comment of, like, parents who have that fear like I do about, you know, my kid having to go through something like that and then, you know, being able to provide those those healthier options, <clears throat> you know, you just kind of taking it day by day, making good, better choices, you know, just putting out encouragement that, yeah. um, you know, just make their, the next the next best decision, I, I guess. <laughs> right. No, yeah. Thank you for sharing with us. Um, yes, like like we talked about earlier, it can definitely have an emotional impact on you with um, depression, and you definitely don't want your child to experience that. So um, I hate that you had to go through that, but I'm, I'm thankful that you have that experience so that you can share it with others, and you can help you know your child and other children in the future, too. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, currently she's, she's just curious about all kind of stuff. You know, like she hasn't turned her nose up at broccoli yet. And That's so, awesome. <laughs> it is. I don't know how long it'll last. Hopefully it, it, it sticks. And um, I guess if I had any question how, you know, like how to incorporate healthier options into your um, child's diet when they start to oppose. I guess if I had any question, that would be it because I know it's coming. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, especially when they hit that toddler age. So just trying to make it fun. That's really, um, you know, so you can get her to come cook with you in the kitchen um, so that she's involved in it. And then, you know, if she helped you make it, then she's going to want to eat it. She's going to want to try it. Yeah. Making it colorful, you know, like trying to decide, okay, what colors are we going to put on our plate tonight? Are we going to eat some yellow vegetables, some green vegetables, red vegetables? What are we going to do tonight? You know, stuff like that just to make it as fun as you can. Um, Persistence is the other thing. (laughs) You know, just keep trying because they are going to resist. But a lot of times, especially when they get to that picky age around 18 months to about three, four years old, a lot of times it's, it's just more you know they call them the terrible twos and the three nagers for a reason they're very hard-headed um and so it's not so much that they don't like it it's more of just their attitude toward it so a lot if you reintroduce it um and stay persistent with making sure that you're continuing to introduce those vegetables there they'll eventually start liking it Okay. Um, but, you know, a don't lot. Don't give in. Yes, don't give in. Don't give in. But try to make it as fun as you can. Get them involved with cooking with you. You know, let them know what's healthy. And, you know, the um, that's that's the biggest thing is trying to make it fun for them so that they enjoy eating healthy. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all so much. This is a, a, a great program. I, I enjoy listening to it so much. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you so you much for your call and sharing your story with us.
Yes, ma'am. All right. Y'all have a great day. You too. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're talking today about childhood obesity and the different complications that can happen with obesity and the struggles that everybody faces um, when they are suffering from this, both the children and the family members. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'd love to hear any of um, your stories or any struggles that you've had and ways that you've found to overcome those struggles. We've got another caller, Calvin. He's in Jackson, so we'll go next. Go ahead. Hello. Hey. Uh, hi. I just wanted to say I'm I'm 61 years old, and uh, I was you know I started getting to be kind of a chunky kid when I was I don't know eight or nine, and uh, I remember the first time the lady at McRae's told my mother that maybe we needed to go to the husky section. <laughs> Uh, I think I cried, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't want to be a husky, and I didn't, you know, because you got teased and all of that. And instead of this, oh, poor you, you're being bullied. I mean, give me a break. Just tell the child. Like my mother was a trained home economist. She said, "Well, if you don't want to be overweight, you don't have to be overweight." Mm-hmm. She said, "I'll help you." You can only have one Coke a day, mm-hmm. you know, and if you want apple juice, you can eat an apple. If you want orange juice, you can eat an orange. You know, I mean, I look in the grocery store now, and I see morbidly obese young parents waddling down the aisle with morbidly obese, if that's even a term for a 8, 9, 10-year-old, I mean, just bigger than I ever thought that a child could be as far as just just grotesque amounts of jiggling fat. And I, and I just see child abuse uh, because it is. I mean, any child that's turning up with type 2 diabetes because of weight needs to be referred to social services or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It is completely self it's, well, it's not completely, but it is often self-fulfilling. You know, we we do that. We dig our graves with our fork, as an old friend used to say. Hmm. And I, as I, I have fought weight my entire life, and uh, you know, the, when I quit fighting and essentially adopted a sugar buster sort of way of eating, it all of a sudden became very easy. I didn't have to think anymore. And I didn't have to live on a diet. I just kind of made better choices. And it was just, it became easy. Yeah, well, I I think you bring up a good point, Calvin, in that, you know, you got to get the child on board, too, um, which can be kind of hard in our little ones, but definitely our teenagers, you know. You gotta, you gotta get them on board as well. Like you said, you made the decision, so it's it's important that we talk to our kids about it, so that we can we can get them on board and we can get them desiring that change as well. Because it it's it can be hard. It can be a hard battle. Um, but like you said, you the the kid has to help make that decision and want to have a change too. And well, that's, I'll tell you, a veterinarian gave me a good bit of advice that works for children as well. When I was having trouble getting my dog to eat anything, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. She said, no animal will starve in the presence of food. Mm-hmm. So, you know, eventually he, she, or it will eat it, will yeah. eat something. And if you don't give them anything but healthy things to pick from, they will eventually get hungry enough to eat it. You're right. That's, it, that's it, true. Parents have complete control in this. And if a screaming child is the only thing you have to put up with for a week or so, then, you know, that's a small price to pay for what's going on. But it's hard, you know, when mom or dad drink a liter of Mountain Dew or Coke or something like that um, a day, or they live on sweet tea. I never knew what sweet tea was until I was like 12 years old. Yeah, yeah, it Uh, definitely takes, it takes the whole family getting on board. It definitely takes the whole family getting on board. Well, thank you. you The other thing was, I, you know, my mother said, okay, well now, you know, your father and I walk every day after work. You know, mainly because he had a heart problem. He said, "You can, you're, you can join us." Yeah. And so I had to start walking a mile with him every day. Yeah. With the dog, which I bitched and moaned and you know <laughs> carried on about like it was the worst thing in the world for about three weeks, and then I got to where you know I, I liked it because I like my dog, and it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But that just that one, it's these little tiny things like eliminating sugar drinks, taking a walk a day. That's all they have to do. Yep. Yep. You're right. You're right. And I tell my um, patients, parents all the time that just don't buy it, you know, just don't have it in the house. If, um, you know, you like your Coke, I, I understand. I love a Dr. Pepper, but I don't buy them. You know, it's a special treat for me. And if you don't have it in the house, then your child's not going to have any access to that. You can go get you one at the grocery store on the way to work, um, but try not to have it in the house. If it's not there, the kids won't be tempted by it. So it's a it's a lifestyle change for the whole family, just like you said, Calvin. you got to get everybody on board. We'll continue our discussions about childhood obesity after the break. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we've been talking about childhood obesity and the complications that come with that and the struggles and challenges that both the children and the parents face um, when they have to suffer with childhood obesity. So we'd love to hear any questions and comments you've had. We've had some great callers earlier today, so we'd love to continue those discussions. Call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 So um, one thing that I want to make sure that, you know, 
parents know that, you know, if your child is gaining weight and you're concerned and you feel like maybe they're not, you're, you really have trying to um, instill these healthy habits in them and you feel like you're just not getting anywhere, you know, talk to your pediatrician about it. Um, go, uh, they can talk to you about different things. It's, it's very important, too, to rule out and make sure that, there's not some organic cause or medical cause for that. You know, there are some genetic syndromes um, that do tend to make you gain more weight. Um, there are also some endocrine syndromes like thyroid problems that um, can make you gain weight as well. Um, and then, you know, there's some other different things too, like uh, girls in particular, polycystic ovarian syndrome is a very common um, illness that girls suffer with and they have what we call insulin resistance. So so they tend to, you know, insulin is normally what lets your body use the sugar. And when you have that insulin resistance, then um, you can't use that sugar and you store it up more and you are more prone to develop an obesity. So it's important to make sure that you talk to your doctor about it. And that you roll out that there's no organic reason why. The other thing is, you know, don't blame yourself for it. Um, I, I feel like uh, parents put a lot of pressure on themselves. And um, while there are different things that you could try to do um, to help and initiate some changes, it's not necessarily your fault and it's not the child's fault either. Um, so we want to make sure that you know that it's not your fault if your child is suffering from this. Um, and we can always try to intervene, and it's never too late to make lifestyle changes. Um, it's very important that everybody gets on board and that we have all the family members involved. Uh, one of the biggest uh, things I hear in clinic is, well, I'm on board and dad's on board, but, you know, he goes to his grandmother's house when he comes home from school and she lets him do whatever he wants and eat whatever he wants. Um, and then so it, it you got to get grandparents on board. You got to get babysitters on board. Anybody that's involved in the child's life, um, you know, you have to get them on board. Um, but, you know, don't blame yourself um, if, you know, if your child is suffering from this. Um, talk to somebody about it so that you can, you know, make sure that there's no reason why no organic reason as to why this is happening and how you can help and what we can do um, to um, help your child and prevent some of these complications that we've been talking about um, we've got another caller we've got michelle she's in oxford go ahead michelle hi um i just wanted well first of all thank you for mentioning that it's not the parent's fault and not the child's fault um i felt like the last caller was very judgmental about obesity um, in, in blaming parents and children. Um, and I just think that a big part of the problem is that a lot of Mississippi is a food desert and people don't have access to healthy foods. Um, and sometimes all you can afford are unhealthy choices, but that's better than letting your child starve. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to bring that up. I found the other uh, caller's tongue quite offensive uh, and disrespectful. Um, obese people are, are people. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, and uh, Healthy people can be large. Uh, thin people can be really unhealthy. Right. So. Yes, that's a very good point. Very good point. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily your fault and it, the parent's fault and it's not the child's fault, but um, like you said, a big problem here in the South and in Mississippi, particularly like um, places like the Mississippi Delta, it's it's hard um, to get uh, regu uh, you know healthy fruits and vegetables, and um, they're more expensive, and that's a big problem that we have 
have in our state. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to mention. You know, in our um, clinics, there are some, especially our adult clinics, we try to make sure that we hand out different flyers and different things like that where you can go find healthy, fresh produce. Um, so make sure that you talk to your providers about that um, if there are any options for the healthy produce because poverty is, is a big factor in it. Thanks, Michelle, for your call. Um, but yeah, it's it's not it's not the parents' fault. It's not the child's fault. Um, it's not necessarily society's fault. You know, it's it's a very complicated and complex situation. So it's something to talk to your provider about um, how you can, like she said, you don't have a-, a lot of people don't have access to those fruits and vegetables. So talk to your provider and see. We have lots of handouts on um, where to get those. So they may have some options for you. There's also some like co-ops and different things like that that you can get involved with in farmers markets. Um, where you can sign up and they have cheaper prices for that fresh produce that you can get. Some other obstacles that we see and weight loss challenges, um, because losing weight is not easy. It's a journey. It's hard. Um, is, you know, we've talked about a few, like how can I get my kids to eat the vegetables? You know, consistency is key. Persistence is key. Um, trying to uh, always offer those um, vegetables every night. Make sure they have at least one to two options for their vegetables. Um, making it fun, like we talked about earlier. Get your child in the kitchen. Help, Let them help you in the kitchen to cook the meals and to cook those healthy vegetables. Um, Vegetables are colorful. Put some colorful stuff on your plate. Um, One thing, you know, that parents also say is, well, my child gets upset when I tell them that I can't when they can't have the Coke or they can't have the candy bar, you know, try not to lose sight of what you're doing. You know, you know, it's hard um, and upsetting your children is never fun. Um, But remember, you're the parent and you're doing this because you love them. You know, you're trying to initiate those healthy lifestyle changes because you love them and you're trying to protect their long health, long term health. So when they get upset that they didn't get the Snickers bar, it's you know, it's okay because we know in the long run it's better for them. And, you know, another thing that I always like to tell parents too is, you know, don't completely deprive them of these things. You know, that's part of being a kid. That's part of growing up is getting to, you know, have some candy and eat popcorn at the movies and, you know, some of the other unhealthier but fun habits that we have as children and growing up. So you don't want to deprive them of that. You want them to have a childhood and enjoy these things. But it's just something that they can't do every day. You know, so maybe um, try to make it a special trip. Like on Fridays, we get to go to get ice cream. After you've, If you've had a good week at school, we'll get to celebrate with ice cream. But we're not going to eat ice cream every night for dessert. But, you know, you want them to still be able to have that option available. Um, same thing with sodas. You know, it's ideally we wouldn't want you drinking any sodas. Um, but if that is something that, you know, has become a habit and it's a hard habit to break, you can't just cut them off. Completely. So we can talk about, okay, well, you love Dr. Pepper. Okay, well, you can't have a Dr. Pepper every day, but how about when we eat supper on Saturday night? That's when you can get your doctor or lunch. You can get your Dr. Pepper on Saturday, Um, but only limited to that one time, you know, because if you completely take it away, they're going to crave it even more. And like I said, you want them kids to be kids, so you don't want to completely take everything away. 
everything in moderation. And this goes for our adults, too, because <laughs> I have to preach this to my adult patients and preach it to myself. Um, it's okay to have the dessert. It's okay to eat a little extra chocolate, but you can't do it every day. You've got to do everything in moderation. Another struggle that I see parents have is, you know, I will, I can't control what they eat at daycare. I can't control what the cafeteria makes. And that is true. That is a hard, hard struggle. Um, you know, it's, as one of our callers pointed out, um, unfortunately, unhealthy options are the cheaper options. Um, and so, you know, pizzas, hot dogs, hamburgers, um, things like that are what are served a lot in our uh, daycares and our uh, school systems. So it's something to talk to, you know, if, especially if it's a small preschool or a daycare, that's something that you can talk to their teachers about. Um, that's something that you can always, you know, talk to their, their, te- their teachers at school, their principals at schools about how to make healthier options for them available in the, um, at the school. The other option is, you know, packing a lunch, which, again, you know, can add up prices, and that can also play a factor into it. But, you know, talk about, talk to other people and what they've done and how you can make your child have other options at school because that can be a really hard a hard thing to tackle is what they eat at school and what they're eating at daycare. Um, a couple of other other struggles that I see is, well, how do I get my kid to stay active? You know, because I can't afford a gym. I can't afford to pay for a gym membership. You don't need a gym. You've got a gym right there in your backyard um, down the street. There are tons of activities that your child can do where they don't have to have scheduled exercise. So um, if you have a pet out there, take your dog for a walk. Um, that's another good way for your kid. That could be a little side job that they have, you know. They could walk the neighbor's dog. Um, Something to keep them active. Uh, Swimming in the summertime. Swimming is a wonderful option. There's a few gyms, you know, like the YMCA and different places like that that have indoor um, swimming pools if that is an option for you. But in the summertime, swimming is a wonderful activity. Riding your bike, you know. Again, get the family involved. Everybody in the family has to be involved. So you go for a walk while your kid rides their bike. That way you're getting the activity and so is your child. YouTube, you know, um, there are, you know, I, I would say make sure you're monitoring it. But, oh, my goodness, there's tons of videos out there on YouTube. Kids love to dance. So there are all kinds of, like, dancing workout videos on YouTube that you can do um, that are fun for the kids. And it's a fun way to stay active. So I always love to tell people about that. Um, Get a basketball goal. It doesn't have to be any fancy basketball goal, but some kind of, if your kid likes to play ball, put a basketball goal up. That's a great way to get your family um, involved and staying active and communicating and interacting with your family, but you're also all getting exercise and activity. The biggest thing, you know, I just want to remind people is all we need is for you to get your heart rate up for at least 30 minutes a day. So find something that's fun for your child. Don't feel like you have to take them to a gym and get on the treadmill and things like that so that they can get their heart rate up. Find fun activities, and then they're going to want to stay active if you do that. Um, As we enter into this holiday season with uh, Thanksgiving right around the corner and then Christmas after that, you know, holidays are another challenge. Um, So try to plan ahead. 
that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, you know, if you know that you're going to be somewhere where there's going to be tons of desserts, go in and talk to your kids about it. You know, okay, well, we're going here this, you know, because most of us have multiple things that we have to attend during the holidays, um, go into different family members, you know, one, one weekend you're here, one weekend you're there, or maybe it's even back to back to back that you're having to go to different family members' house. So you can try to go in and talk to them about, okay, well, we're not going to eat dessert every single time because we've got a bunch of things going on this week. So um, maybe only we're only going to eat dessert twice this week instead of five times this week. So try to plan ahead of time so that that way you have expectations set so that, you know, it's a lot harder to say no when you're there in the moment than it is before time if you have those expectations set. Um, but holidays are probably one of the toughest things. Um Another question I get asked a lot is, what about diet? What kind of diet should I put them in? Um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of diets. Um, I think there are some diets out there that are good. Um, and, you know, you got to find what works for you. And if that's what works for you, that's great. But um, particularly a lot of these fad diets like low carbs, um, ketos, all the things out there that they're, you know, that you hear about and you read about. They're just hard to maintain. And, you know, as kids, you don't want them to feel um, forced into a diet and restricted. We want them to make sure that we are, you know, letting them learn healthy lifestyle changes. Um, I can't stress that enough. You know, so it doesn't matter what, um, you know, a low-carb diet is fine. Um, a keto diet is fine, however you want to do it. But make sure that it's something that they can maintain, you know, it's, it's not beneficial for them to only be able to do it for a month or two. Lifestyle changes, on the other hand, of introducing more vegetables, staying active, learning portion control, that is what's going to carry them through into being a teenager and into adult um, and not these fad diets which are hard to do as an adult, much less as a child. So um, we've talked, we've had a great talk today on um, childhood obesity, and I appreciate everybody's calls and um, people that have called in and shared their stories and their struggles with obesity and how, um, what they recommend and how they can change, um, hopefully change their child's life for the better. Um, so we appreciate everybody's calls today. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Michelle McAdoo. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.